Coming up, part two of the trade deadline extravaganza. It was kind of a dud. Spoiler alert, next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We launched a couple of YouTube channels that has a lot of content from our podcast. We have a Ringer NBA channel now. We have a Ringer NFL channel now. And you can check out youtube.com slash Bill Simmons if you want clips, full podcasts from this video, some, some walk and talk shorts. I might do one later today, actually. Uh, if you missed part one, Ryan Russell and I broke down all the trades leading up to about two hours for the deadline. And part two, we did as the deadline was happening and boy, was it not exciting, but we actually spent more time talking about the teams that didn't do anything and why did they not do anything? So that's next. First, our friends from ProJap. All right, we're taping this. It is 11.50 a.m. Pacific time. The trade deadline ends in 10 minutes. Ryan Marcillo is here. We did part one a little earlier today. Part two is right now. No big trades yet, Rosillo. We were on call. A little disappointing, but uh, Wojnarowski is tweeting that Atlanta is keeping DeJounte Murray. It makes no sense for me that they're just not going to do anything. I don't really fully understand that. It doesn't make sense to me that Golden State wouldn't do anything. Um, the Lakers feels like they have to do something, even if it's a little minor, but what would be the most shocking team for you not to do something? I mean, unless this is done, the Thunder not adding a big guy to the rotation. Because even though, you know, as we talked about in part one, it's hard for me to buy yeah. in if I've never really seen anything with that group playoff success, we can be surprised. So it's not an automatic dismissal, but it just felt like, you know, this is a really good team that maybe has a chance, ball breaks their way and injury in the playoffs. Usually we get two or three significant ones. Uh, and I just think that they're really good and it would be awesome to have just another big option depending on a matchup in the West and considering all the resources they have, the the surplus of things. But it felt yeah. like there weren't as many big men. Like for years, we've always felt like, oh, you can just go grab a big man. And you know what? Look, it could be a buyout thing. I can't give you the perfect name that that solves all their problems. You mentioned Pirtle there a little bit, but I just felt like, you know, why not just be in control of it unless they already know something on the buyout market? Well, the you? Bucks just traded Robin Lopez to the Kings, who is waiving him to save some luxury tax money for the Bucks. Um, 
that might be who you're looking at. It's like the Robin Lopez type of guys, which to me is not what I was expecting in OKC. What, was there anything that made you want to run down? You're in Vegas. Anything that made you want to run down to the sports book and put down bets? Nothing yet, right? Any, <laughs> do you want to sprinkle a little on the Knicks? Nothing? Did you get any urges? You know, I just had a hard time sleeping last night. I was like, I'm so excited. Like, what tax move will happen? You know, who, which, which guy will be traded for two future seconds that don't convey in 2027 that'll save somebody tax money? I thought we might get a, just a barrage of, of 10 deals where they pop up. And you're like, what? What is that? And then you have to kind of dig through and be like, okay, yeah. they're underneath the tax thing. And as we see, the more punitive steps moving forward with the new structure of how teams are penalized for going over the tax aprons, you know, I, I thought there might be some maneuvering for that. This is a dud. This is as big of a dud as I can remember. You? Yeah, well, I, you even think like the Warriors, if they're not going to try to make the team better, try to get off the tax because you're going to have like a $400 million roster this year. You're two games under 500. So at least like try to do some deal to save you some money. And I, they're just not doing anything. Yeah, I, I thought for sure we'd have a couple wild card trades. Like for instance... You know, there was, there's a little buzz that I didn't see it reported, but I do think teams were trying to pry Marcus Smart away from the Grizzlies, especially as they really go down the road of possibly being like a top six, top eight lottery team. And uh, that was what I thought the Lakers non-Murray move would be, that there might be a Marcus Smart out of nowhere. And that that's how they would use that 2029 first. And whether it's like D-Lo for Smart, something like that, but, but that, even that didn't happen. So... You know, if you're the Grizzlies, I guess you hang on to Smart and you think we'll come back next year with that lottery pick. But I do feel, I do wonder if somebody could have pried them away. The big, the big trade that we had so far was the Mavericks <laughs> getting PJ Washington. <laughs> the thing for, is, you said the big trade we have, and I have no idea what you were going to say. <laughs> well, this was a big trade for us because Grant Williams lasted a solid 50 games with Luka Doncic and Dallas, and he gets moved to Charlotte with our guy Seth Curry who is married to beloved uh, Ringer podcast host, Callie Curry, who has to move again. I might have to have her back on the podcast. Yet another move. They were super happy in Texas. But Seth's from Charlotte. They also got a 2027 first rounder. Here's what's interesting, Rosillo. They had to do a, a 2030 pick swap with San Antonio to get Grant Williams in the first place. So now they have traded Seth Curry, who is their like kind of mid-level, lower mid-level exception guy signing from last year, uh, from last summer. Grant, who is their big, their big kind of move for some money that they did the pick swap with, and a 27 first rounder for PJ Washington. So the question for me is, is PJ Washington worth all of your summer cap space, a 2030 first round pick swap? And an unprotected 2027 20, first, because I think that pick's unprotected. That seems like a lot for somebody who's like never played an important game in his life. Yeah, I like P.J. Washington, but when you look at the profile of him, it, it's been getting worse. And it's been about a three or four year decline. The three-point shooting has gone down four straight seasons. The metrics have gone down three straight seasons. Like where he was from kind of his peak of three years ago, if you just want to look at the advanced stuff, you can make an argument he's like half as productive as that. But I've just always kind of liked him. Charlotte has been a mess. The 27 picks top two protected. So that's like, that's a real pick. You know, and who yeah. knows? You know, these teams that don't want to protect these picks further out, the receiving team basically looks at it like, hey, this is a chance of 
like we at least know on paper we have a chance of maybe getting this absurd pick. Say like a scenario where Luca in 26 goes, I've had it. I want to go somewhere else. Um, or a which, scenario like what happened with the Grizzlies this year where it seemed like they were going to at least be a playoff team and now all of a sudden the team's a disaster. So top two means, hey, you're one disaster away from you might have a top five pick. Yeah, that's why where you have like Brooklyn, you go, well, what are you supposed to do? And they go, even though we, we'd love to try to figure this thing out on the fly, we're not in control of our own picks. Yeah, so we can't we can't rebuild the way another team would do the same way you look at those Clippers picks as they move those out. You know, I'm sure Presti and that group were hoping that Kawhi wasn't going to resign or that right. they don't add Harden or they wonder what's going to happen with this Paul George player option. Although it still feels like that's a deal that's more likely to get done because Clippers are like, we might as well just pay all of these guys because we don't own any of these picks moving forward. So, yeah, they don't have 24. They don't have 26. They have a swap yeah, and so there's a swap in there. Right. So OKC okay, so was feeling great about that, but we're running out of time. Yeah, there's a lot of roulette to all this. But the simple answer on the PJ thing is, you know, his money isn't bad for for what he is. And you'd imagine he's a little bit more engaged. His life is going to be a lot easier with Luca. Although I think there's a Luca topic that we could spend an hour on, which I'm not even sure what the answer is. He's mm. 15 and a half million. Then he's 14 million and 26. Grant's a fully guaranteed 41 million remaining. And here's the deal. Like, I don't know that Grant vibed with everybody down there, which I know is shocking to you. Uh, I don't think it went awesome. I, <laughs> I do clear. not think it did either. And unfortunately for him, I think he lost his confidence a little bit. And if Grant's playing without confidence, you're in trouble because confidence was two thirds of the package. A little like Jordan Poole in Washington. A no confidence yeah, he's Jordan Poole is not yeah. is not the Jordan Poole you want. I still feel like Grant could be a valuable playoff guy on the right team. I just don't know how many of the right teams there are and who and who the match is for that. But man, I can't I, believe he'd be this bad for the rest. Of, I I just think it didn't work out. It was a long stretch of not working out. But if he's not hitting those threes, like when he was hitting those threes with Boston, you're like, wow, this is great. And then you felt like he kind of played a couple different roles defensively. But I don't know if that diminished a bit. But I just I mean, his offense went sideways last year in the playoffs. So I I just feel like Dallas gave up a lot. And I don't think there's a scenario where they're a top five team in the West. I mean, do you feel like like they they're a borderline playing team and they've spent a lot of capital to try to improve the team. And, you know, like right now, they're eighth. They're 28 and 23. Um, they have a chance maybe to get to to this to the fifth or sixth seed. I don't, I don't know if I see it, but um, and then there's you know the hammer of Luca might decide one day. Eh, want to go to L.A. I want to go to Miami. I want to go to New York. Like who knows? And then you know they're 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 pretty strapped with those picks. I'll say this: those late 2020s Dallas picks are picks I would want. Like if you were gonna say, oh, you know, Denver, Milwaukee, Boston, all the teams that have kind of traded picks way down the road, Dallas would be the most intriguing situation to me because I think it's going to be really hard to put a good team around him. Kyrie's had a normal season, right? This has been no, real quiet. No drama from him at all in their 28 and 23. But I don't mind some of this. Charlotte has new owners. I don't mind some of the stuff they did today. Dare I say like a fairly competent Charlotte run we're having because Brandon Miller versus Scoot, we were both team Scoot, but Brandon Miller, you're doing that over again. We were wrong. Brandon Miller was... He's been uh, awesome. The right pick. He's really good. And the trades they made today, they end up with Trey Mann. 
they end up with Curry, who is at least like a fun guy to have on the team. He's a good chemistry guy. Maybe you can flip him in the next five minutes. Um, they end up with Grant. They get some picks. So at least it's starting to make sense what they're doing. I think long-term, the question is, what is LaMelo Ball? Is this a stable franchise guy? Is this somebody on and off the court that can be the face of a franchise? I think they have to figure that piece out. And I don't know the answers to that. Yeah, and they'll have a Miles Bridges decision where he could veto the trade with the way the contract worked. You knew that his trade market was going to be diminished just based on, I'd imagine there's a good chunk of teams that would go, hey, he's been a really good player, but we're not taking this dude yeah, on. it's a cross uh, which is Which is totally understandable. But it's not like he's not going to play in the league again. So I don't know what happens there because he's been really productive. Uh, he had 45 points, what, last night or two nights ago? I know everybody can score in the league, the league we have now, especially with some of the defense stuff that you and I, most of our texting now is about terrible defensive calls and terrible, <laughs> terrible refereeing situations and people lurching into somebody and somehow drawing fouls just seems to be like 80% of our correspondences. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It sounds like you want to go on a rant here. The floor is yours. Well, I I put something at the top of my trade value thing that we because we ran the list on the ringer and I wrote like a few paragraphs at the top. And I, I just value defensive guys more than ever before. When I'm making that list, I really care about the ability to be able to defend and be a two-way person versus scoring. I think it's super easy to find scoring now. You know, and we're, like Miles Bridges getting 45 points in a game, 10 years ago, I'd be like, shit, Miles Bridges. But now it's like, all right, I feel like, 50 guys in the league could have 45 points in the league. I don't even know how to put it in a context anymore, especially with the rule stuff. So I just care way more about guys that can defend than I think I ever have. Because I don't know how you're supposed to defend anymore. And I know that a lot of people have done the deep dive on the free throw rate and the free throw rate tells you that your eyes are lying to you. And I would suggest that the free throw rate maybe not be the thing to look at because it reminds me a bit of the block shot paper that came out at Sloan over a decade ago. And I don't know if you remember that when they had the Sloan conference and yeah. somebody came up with a paper that was basically like block shots, the most overrated thing, because if you look at block shots and the numbers and how many times the possession it changes hands, it, it doesn't really change hands enough. So basically they keep the possession and all you did was block. And I, my first instinct was, yeah, but it's not about the number of block shots. It's possessions. It's about the offensive player thinking about somebody who's blocking this many shots. Like Wembenyama right now. Right. Yeah. You just see players attack some of these shot blockers where they just give up on the attack. And so that's a defensive win because now you've basically discouraged the player from taking a high percentage shot because he knows I can't even get a clean look at it. And I think there's some, this is just me talking, some correlation between it's not the free throw rate spike. It's that you have a ton of terrible fouls called where the offensive player initiates all of the contact. And we can get in debates about legal guarding position. And I know a lot of people that were like just true to the rules of of putting yourself in a compromising position on the Pat Bev Steph Curry play that I tweeted out. And I was like, look, you got me on Steph's positioning. But clearly the intent was Pat Bev to go into him and not really care about any kind of shot. So I don't want to debate that call all over again. But if you're asking the defensive player to avoid those, then you may not see it in a spike in free throws. You may just see it in guys turning into matadors out there going like, I just maybe have to hope to stay on his side, get out of his way as he lunges at me, get out of the way of his arms, and maybe get some sort of contest on the release. We have a league now where 
I don't know what happened with creating all this extra space the last few years on the three-point shot where there's this gather and extra step that's legal. You have yeah. a league where you can't really contest three straight on anymore because if the other player lands forward on purpose, by the way, then you're reviewed for flagrant when you didn't even do anything wrong, but the offensive yeah. player can rig it enough to make it look like that. You have the Damian Lillard play, which more and more players are doing, where you come around the screen at the top, and as the defensive player is working his way around the screen and trailing you, you can just stop on the ball movement, and then he slams into you only because he's trying to catch up. He's not even trying to foul you. And then all the other stuff where you have these, I think, parallel drives of the paint. They're not even at the rim where if you're with him on his side and they veer into you and then get the shot up, it's always going to be free throws. So I don't know how much of this will carry over into the playoffs. I, I think, unfortunately, it's still it's a different game in the playoffs, but it just happens so much that you're right. To your point on the scoring numbers, there's nights where it's like all sorts of guys can get their buckets because everything is favoring the offense in a way that I don't know that we've ever seen collectively on all those things we've talked about. I compared it to a mosh pit. It's the mosh pit era of offense where you can just like, if you watch people in a mosh pit, they'll just jump into somebody. They'll just jump sideways like when you least expect it. And that is now being rewarded with offensive play in basketball. I can, dri I can drive, you can be next to me, defending me and doing all the right things. And then I can mosh pit right into you. And so foul on you. And it's just not basketball. It's not, you can't, you wouldn't be able to do this if we're playing in a playground in a high school gym, you wouldn't be able to do this at the elementary school level. Um, anything that's just not basketball, they got to figure out how to get rid of. But anyway, that's, you know, when, that's I, our when I think about, we did yeah, it. that's it. We did it. Oh, all right. So we have some trade stuff. The Mavericks, oh my God. So the Mavericks, they pulled off the Rashawn Holmes, Daniel Gafford trade. They got Daniel Gafford, who's better than I like Rashawn that Holmes. for them. Yeah. yeah. I've always liked Gafford. They have agreed, according to Mark Stein, to swap their own 2028 first-round pick with Oklahoma City's own 2028 first-round pick in order to obtain a 2024 first-round pick from the Thunder. So, basically, I guess they're sending that 2024 pick to the Thunder, uh, from the Thunder to Washington. So now the Mavs have swaps in 28 and 30, and they don't have their picks in 27 and 29. So they are almost gutted, and they did it all for Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington. I don't know if I love it. I don't know if that's winning you the title. They may have had competition for P.J. Washington, though, because he was sure. a name that was on the radar for other teams there. But you know, the fact that you could only get that to be a top-two protection, and as you mentioned, like Charlotte, hey, some nice things here. You still feel like with ownership, specifically that owner, they're probably going to clean house again. Yeah. And, and just go, hey, let's, let's do all of this over. Oh, the Celtics got somebody. Jaden Springer. Right? Is that who you're talking Whoa. about? Whoa. Yeah. Does that mean that Sixers young are wing. tanking? I think they wanted one more young wing that potentially they could see what's going on. But they, they got, Tillman was the guy that they wanted. Um, let's take a break because we got to talk about the Lakers not doing anything. So we're going to do that next. So, Rosello, FanDuel, and Rob Gronkowski are back with Kick of Destiny 2 as Rob looks to redeem himself after missing last year. He'll be kicking live right before kickoff. Fans will be able to pick whether he will make or miss in the FanDuel Sportsbook app for their chance at a share of 
million in bonus bets. Before we make our picks, what is your single favorite Rob Gronkowski playing moment? What's the one that jumps to your head? I think it was a Super Bowl where somehow he got lined up on the outside against a linebacker one-on-one, and he and Brady already started celebrating before the snap. <laughs> I loved uh he... <laughs> He had, I thought, the the best throw of Brady's career in the Denver game, which ended up losing 2018 the because they didn't get the safety. No, Brady was like fourth and 17, and it was like, we only have one play here. It's got to be Gronk straight down the middle. And it was like the old video game play, and Brady just chucked it. It was perfect. Gronk had two guys on him, got popped, still made the catch, kept the drive alive. They end up scoring, but they don't get the two-point. But... um. I love that he got the touchdown in the, or he set up the touchdown drive for that last uh, Rams game too. Anyway, well, he's, he's, I think my second favorite Patriot of all time. Who's first? Rogan? Brady. Brady Gronk. I know. I, Brady's not a cool pick. It's like my favorite band's the Beatles, but Brady won six Super Bowls. Like he was the first good quarterback. We ever had. I mean, Bledsoe was good, I guess. But, I'm not going to get in um, your case for picking Brady one. I mean, if you're Gronk not picking second. Brady one, yeah. Gronk second. Uh, anyway, I am going to pick that he makes this one. I think he's been practicing. He, I think he missed last year, so it's a make for me. What do you got? He told me he's staying in all week. Like really? To get out. ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because of this kick. He, he told all of his brothers, all 17 of them, he's like, don't come to Vegas. It's about the kick. It's not about us. We've had our run. And he said he worked on a lot of course Focused. ability this year because he felt like his plant foot was off. So he's told me he's staying in. He's he's getting to bed early. A lot of leafy greens. I think he makes it. Inside info from Marcillo. Head to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to make your pick now. Watch the kick before kickoff live on Super Bowl Sunday. All right. So now it is uh, like 10 after 12. The Warriors, no trades for them. Nothing. So you you sound surprised by this. Like, what do you think, like, what would you have done? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but to say, hey, they should have done something, the follow-up is always, okay, like, what would you have kicked the tires on? Because I'm not telling you I have, like, a perfect answer. I just think they have a very challenging set of assets. I don't have a perfect answer either, but I think if you're not going to do anything and you're also not going to shed money for the tax, well, I guess they shed a little bit with the Corey Joseph trade. But that seems strange to me because there's under 500 at the 50 game mark. And, you know, they have the Chris expiring and the Clay expiring. You would have thought that might have been some way to improve with those two expiring contracts or one of them. And they didn't do anything. So that basically what they're telling us is we kind of like where we are. Chris Paul's coming back. Gary Payton's coming back. Kaminga's made a big jump over the last, you know, four or five weeks. And we actually don't have to do anything. We're good. But I'm still a little surprised. I, I would have thought they would have done something. Maybe there was no trade. Maybe they tried. When I started thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, there was, there was a rumor about Wiggins potentially to Dallas, but that meant Grant might be coming back. So then you go, all right, well, is there any way to get Josh Green in a deal? Okay, but it's like, well, not for Wiggins' contract. So yeah. the Wiggins market was going to be limited because I just think more of the teams would go, hey, even though Wiggins had that really nice run in 22, that's just not who he's been. He was disappointed in Minnesota. He's been a disappointment since then. I mean, he completely looks out of it this season. 
you know, last He's, year. They, so he came back the last couple of games. He had some good games. And I wonder if that maybe, maybe convinced them. I don't think it convinces them. I think the salary makes it really hard for him. Look at the Chris Paul thing. Okay, all right. It's this massive number, right? It's a $30 million trade ship. But if you're trading Chris Paul, if another team is trading for him, that's likely a good team that goes, we want Chris Paul in our rotation. Probably not our starting point guard, but what a great option to have. We could even close with him in a big playoff moment if he's back and healthy, right? Totally fair. But which team is then giving you something that you want you know, if they're already good, they're not going to move another piece that they like for Chris Paul. So, or are you just trying to cut sense. Chris Paul for money? Like, if they had traded in Orlando and gotten Fultz's contract back and one more contract, so they're shipping out thirty and they're getting back twenty four, and they save sure. six million, which leads to like they save fifty million in lux tax. But they didn't want to do stuff like that, which makes me think they might be good. The trade that I thought they might do, you asked me like, all right, what should they have done? If it had just been Wiggins straight up for Bruce Brown, and Bruce Brown is an expiring with a team option, Toronto kept Bruce Brown today. And if I'm Toronto, would I have rolled the dice on Wiggins, changed the scenery, put him in Canada? I, I got a Linux. I've got a little Canadian thing going. Maybe I pick up Corey Joseph on, on waivers from the Pacers if they waive him. But if you're Toronto and you had the chance to turn Bruce Brown into Wiggins, would you have done it? No. Okay. No, like, look, the finals run was a fluke. You know, that, that season he made an all-star team, you know, he was, he was really good. And you thought, hey, this makes sense. You know, he's decent enough of a size guy to give you some options on the perimeter defensively. His life is going to be a lot easier with Steph and Clay and Draymond having the ball all the time. And it looked like that was maybe the, the turning point of his career. It's clearly the best he's been. But I know not everyone loves PER, but he was still a 15 that year. He's a 10.9 yeah. this year. Like, so you're like, okay, now he's going to figure it out with all this remaining money. So I just can't imagine there were many teams that were going to talk themselves into him making 27, 28, and 30.1 million the next three years. Uh, and that last one being a player option when he's what, 31, 32 years old. So there's just, there's just not, like if we're sitting here talking about it, you would have had to have taken back something if you were Golden State that probably, you know, maybe you stay within the 25% to lessen the tax bill a little bit. But it does feel like they're going, hey, get Chris Paul back. Last run with Clay, even though that's been bad. Kaminga's been better. Draymond's back. Although it was funny seeing Draymond when Pajemski got thrown to the ground by Claxton. Draymond was the first player. He was like, of those two players in the altercation, the third player on the scene was Draymond. And all Draymond did was kind of put his arm on Claxton and go over to check on Pajemski. And I went, okay, wow. all right. That's interesting. Right. Anger like, management classes. Two months ago, you think he goes at Claxton a little bit harder. Uh, you know, they keep talking about being a prideful group and all this stuff. It can seem stale and, hey, this team isn't good. Like, what are you doing? I just felt like so many trades for them are really complicated. And that was before Kaminga turned into this this last month, where so maybe, maybe that's the asset. But Maybe that was ahead. what changed it. I think I would have, I would have, if I was Toronto, I think I would have done something with Wiggins and Bruce Brown. Maybe tried to get Moody out of it or a protected pick or something. But I, I would have gambled on Wiggins because... At least with Wiggins, we've seen him do it. Now, he hasn't done it. I don't know what happened to him last year. He sucked for most of this year. But it's not like he's 35. And I, if you're a team like Toronto, I feel like you have to take swings like that. You know, Otherwise, you're paying Bruce Brown $25 million next year, which 
I'm not nuts about. And then the difference after that is one extra year with Wiggins. So I, I would have thought about it. But yeah, so Golden State well, does nothing. They may make a look at the Bruce Brown thing as like a one year. You know, the Bruce Brown thing for the Pacers, looking back on it, I was like, look, with a team option in the second year, they just said, let's use our cap space, and it ends up becoming an asset. The Pacers are really smart about it, but, you know, maybe that's just the way Toronto looks at it for that one year, and they feel like he doesn't need the he ball. He becomes an expiring. Yeah. Yeah. I like Bruce Brown. I thought he was going to be a fun trade deadline guy. Um, Lakers did nothing. Chris Mannix tweeted, um, they were buffed all efforts to pry loose Austin Reeves. And D'Angelo Russell's recent revival had them reconsidering the value gained by packaging Russell in a 29 number one. I totally agree with that, by the way. Um, so they do nothing. And I actually think that's the right move. I'll be interested to see what LeBron thinks about it. But I actually, you know, they made the Western Finals last year. They've had some injuries to at least some of their role players. But the way Davis has played this year, I don't think you need to go nuts and you know, do some Hail Mary trade. But on the other hand, Davis has been so good, you know, maybe bet on some of the guys you drafted and you you got in free agency. Gabe Vincent will come back. I, I'm not against it. I'm um, definitely, I like them not doing anything because I yeah. don't think anything was presented where you go, oh, wait a minute, why would you turn that down? I think it was about flipping Austin Reeves for, say, Levine, if Levine were healthy. But I think that's a LeBron motivated thing. I think LeBron mm. wanting DeJounte Murray would have been a LeBron motivated thing, uh, even though I think Murray is better. And, you know, Murray's owed a lot of money, but it's not like a gross contract, especially with the new landscape of the cap continuing yeah. to go up. So, and, Do you like what you've you know, seen from Murray this season? You know, I like him. I, I, li I know he's not perfect. You know, I, yeah. I can understand the warts, but it's not an ideal situation because Trey's so talented. He's going to have a ton of possessions. You could just see, like, I finally dawned on me, like, as much as they've tried to stagger those two with the minutes and stuff, and it feels like they're playing more together now this year, uh, yeah. especially, like, in the fourth quarter, they just don't really play with each other. It, it feels like, hey, if it's a Jajante possession, then Trey's kind of over here and then when it's, it's a, a little like the Mitchell Garland thing that we had issues with I, I'm with you I agree they don't mesh very well it is what it yeah, is so the market for Murray I don't know if it was the money I don't know if it's what people have seen in Atlanta but it it felt like it wasn't really that competitive and clearly Atlanta not moving him tells you hey we just come back this summer and that circles it back around to the Lakers here is that it didn't really make a ton of sense until they figure out what kind of draft capital they have which is when New Orleans has to make a decision on whether they want the 24 or the 25 pick. And once that decision is made, then the Lakers have more assets to then kind of look at it this summer, even though it's not on LeBron's timeline. You know, LeBron's got the juice when he's 25, when he's 30, when he's 35, and you're freaked out as a front office and ownership. As a guy who's 39 next year with the player option where he'll turn 40, I don't know that you're as beholden to go, well, we've got to do whatever this guy wants, which in this case, I think moving another pick in 29, moving a cheap player who's their third best player in Reeves, despite what Russell's done this last month plus, I think it's the right move to stand pat unless there was an option that, that you or I don't know about, which is totally you know, reasonable that there, there could have been something else. But clearly, they didn't want to do anything until they figure out, because they're going to have more picks come this June to go, wait a minute. You know, what, what do we do? Like, we might have that other piece that we've been looking for here this summer. Somebody demands, they demand to come here, and then the other team would be like, okay, well, now you have access to more picks as opposed to the 129 that they have now. I'd love to know from the Lakers side how fed up they were with LeBron. 
And we'll never know because they're really good about not leaking stuff out. It's basically he had a bad bus week. and Plank and that's it. But I, I, I don't understand his have, week, Bill. I, I just don't understand it. You? No, I, I I said something about it on Sunday's pod. I talked a lot about it on Tuesday. I, you know, they've done so much for the dude over the last six years and they've traded so much stuff away. They've traded so many players, acquired so many players back and forth. And, you know, he's not the same guy anymore. He's 39 years old. And I don't think he's one of the eight to 10 best guys in the league. I don't think he can do it regularly like he used to. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think this is what happens when players get when the greatest players get older in the NBA, this is usually when they start getting grumpy. It even happened to Bert. Like, go read Jack McCollum, Jack McCollum's book, Unfinished Business. It's about Bird's second to last year with Boston. He was super grumpy in his third to last year, his second to last year, and was battling people and was mad all the time. And it's really tough for these guys when they go from, I used to be able to dominate and I was the best player in the league and I, I walked on the moon, basically, as a basketball player. And now I'm getting older and it's not coming as easily. And maybe the maybe when I snap my fingers, they're not getting me whatever I want. And it, it does feel like there's some of that. Like for if I'm the Lakers, the best thing he did for for us was I'm saying us like I'm with the Lakers. But Davis re-signed and Davis has been awesome this year. They got Reeves to get in on a pretty cheap contract, right? And they still have some flexibility. They have some picks down the road. And if LeBron doesn't want to stay. I'm not going nuts if I'm the Lakers. I'm like, you know what? We're okay. We still have Davis. He's one of the best 12 players in the league. And we have some pieces. We're still in a big city. And we'll be fine. What do you think? As far as his decision on the player option, I mean, it's a massive, massive number. I don't know if he would just decide, you know what? I'm going to go chase it somewhere else for like a completely reduced salary for for one year and an option or two years. A lot of teams have cap space though. I mean, where's is it the right teams? Yeah. Right. So when you go through the teams that have the cap space, Philadelphia is the only one that you would say, you know, and Moore even said it recently in an interview. He's like, there's not going to be any teams that are as good as, as, as we are this summer with their projected 50 plus million in cap space, depending on where the cap lands at like 141, 142 million. But I just didn't really like, look, with LeBron is very simple and we're all this way. You, you do what you can get away with. And for his entire career, he has delivered on the promise of when you have me you are in contention, okay? Probably better than any basketball player since Jordan. Yeah. You know, that's a very short list of guys. It's like, as soon as I'm on your team, you have a chance. And he's extended that window beyond anything was even imaginable. So anytime I'm critical of him, I almost feel guilty because I feel like it has to be talked about like in two lanes. One is what he is doing at his age and that it's just, it's so absurd. There's nothing even left to say because you can't believe it. But as far as who he is as a player now and what his demands are, and how it was always met in the past because you were always on this LeBron clock of him having all this power and these shorter deals that he used to do before he got to Los Angeles where you're constantly worried about, is he happy? And he wants you to move every single pick for him and for that season, even if he's probably like a long-term bad partner because he's not worried about any of that other stuff. He's, he's right. completely about him and his own quest, which is fine. He, he was that kind of player. But as 39 years old heading into 40, and it's like, okay, what kind of player are we likely going to have? And by the way, normally he misses like 20 plus games and he's not missing any time this year. So that's another part of this. Like when you look at the Lakers, you go, wait, LeBron's putting up these numbers and he hasn't missed any time. AD's played all season. He's been great. D'Angelo Russell's hitting every single shot now. Reeves after the slump wasn't very good. But like, what's wrong with him? I felt like, you know, the Knicks towel thing was stupid. The 
the tweet. The, he, the he can't help himself. Emoji. Yeah. Right. And he had a quote where it was like, hey, do you think after they'd beaten Charlotte, I think somebody asked him, like, does this prove, you know, with this little uptick lately that like, this team has a chance, I'm paraphrasing, right? Has a, has a chance. Does this win streak kind of prove that? You know, classic, like, end of game question. And LeBron was like, basically, hey, this is who we have. So whatever. Like, and instead, you think somebody would go, who's a little more polished, would just go, a lot of the guys from last year that made a run that nobody thought we could make are all here. We know what it takes. Just let us get in because of what we did last year. Right. And, we know, won the in-season Western, tournament. Right, right. We have a good team. Right. Western Conference Finals. And instead of doing that, which most every guy would do who's been around long enough, he basically was like, eh, you know, we're not that good. So unless these guys do something. And, and I thought if I were a teammate and you start yelling that your son is good enough to start for the team right now, I'd be like, are you serious, dude? <laughs> are you serious? And I know he's well, hyping up his son, which is cool. And it's, it's a proud dad. So like a part of it, I, but if I'm another player, so no, it's my original point. When he's 25, 30, 35, you're freaked out this whole yeah, week. If it's the 2014 LeBron. It's different. But right now you're kind of like, Hey, I know you wanted us to do something, but what was on the table didn't make a lot of sense for us. And now well, we have more options this summer. The thing that really kills him is the Westbrook trade. Yeah, you that's know, that 27 was, that first. Was, that, that was kind of his get out of jail free card with him with we got to do this. And it worked out so badly. I don't know if they have to listen the same way. I'm not even sure. I know they got to the Western Finals last year, but in retrospect, do you think a Western Finals sweep was worth giving up the 27 first and just getting Vanderbilt and D'Lo basically? No. Yeah. <laughs> It's, t it's tough in retrospect. Now, when they were making a run last year, it seemed better. But then you go back, you look at that run. They're playing Memphis. They catch Memphis banged up at the perfect time. And but then you they liked get Golden them. State. I did. After that series for a team that got swept, too. And it was, I liked to be them. Fair to I, Lakers, I felt they like were, they were close. You and said you, the, you thought they were the third best team in the NBA. Yeah. So was that worth the 27 pick that we could they could finish last season as the third best team in the NBA, basically? Well, it's an unfair I, I think you could argue yes. Well, I don't if know. you say, hey, if you make this move, you get Westbrook out of here because it became untenable both ways. Because it is weird, like reading, reading some of this Westbrook stuff where like he's happy with the Clippers and everything. And you're like, oh, you know, he's embraced it. And there's a lot of like anti-Laker stuff that'll happen with the coverage of that. It's like, you know what? Westbrook at that point needed to probably go through that to then understand. Right, he needed a nut kick. Right. It was, it was too early for him to it may not even be a Clippers Lakers thing. Maybe it's LeBron. Who knows? But that first wake up call usually isn't smooth for anybody. And he may have needed to actually go through that to be happy and, and understand everything he needs here. But if you had said, hey, if you move this 27 first round pick and you're going to have a chance in the Western Conference Finals, you go, okay, wait, like, what's the point? Let's do it. Um, but then looking back and saying and phrasing it as, oh, they got swept and they had no chance against Denver. And now that pick is still due. Um, I, I think I think you can make an argument actually for an answer on both of them, but to me it doesn't feel worth it because you're just moving off of somebody, and you're bringing in a role guy in Vando who I do like and D'Angelo. Where Vando's I know fine. what the number can't really I shoot. know, what, yeah, but I know what the numbers are for Russell. But you also know that that other stretch is coming. Yeah, it's true. He's a craps table. It's like the craps exactly. table's hot. I'm going to keep winning all day. Um, I think the Westbrook thing is hilarious. That I he's actually become one of my favorite bench guys. 
I, yeah, you he, were mad at me the other day for not including him in my Clippers breakdown. You love Westbrook now. Yeah, I know. Well, no, I like him. I think it's nice to have a guy on your team that can change the energy of a game, which he can do. He can he come in. Can. If, if the yeah. team's kind of dead, they're down 12, he comes in, he's flying around, he's getting rebounds, and he can shift the energy, which I think is a skill that I don't, he was not able to do on the Lakers for whatever reason. Um, what other teams didn't make a move? So we have the Lakers, the Warriors. Is there anybody else that we thought might do something? Denver. And, yeah, they're kind of handcuffed though because they, they had those weird picks with the different protected pick stuff. I also feels like they're betting on their young guys and maybe getting a no, buyout like guy it. because everyone wants to play with Jokic. Yeah, they they brought in some guys and I felt like with Mike Malone, I was like, how much are these young guys going to play? But you've seen some of them get opportunities. I don't know if they're playoff rotation guys. It would seem like Watson is the one that it gets more of a chance than the other guys, but they didn't necessarily need to do anything. You just ask, like, who else? Like, do you think Phoenix? I mean, Phoenix is the same thing. Like, they're pretty stuck. Um, although they added Royce O'Neal, actually. So let me let me make sure I, I cover that part of it. Uh, Royce O'Neal, yeah, makes we're gonna sense hit that for that team because he can. You exact. You know exactly what he's supposed to look like. Play defense take a couple of these shots, it gives us another rotation guy as opposed to some of the guys they play, which they probably don't want to play in the playoffs. I'm going to say this nicely because I don't like really criticizing players because they're all way better at basketball than I am. I'm just not a Royce O'Neal fan. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't. That's the I think player a, that makes you realize you're not good at basketball? No, he's, I think, look, he's a zero offensively, right? It's like, oh, he's 38% from three. All the threes are wide open. He averages like eight points a game. And then it's like, oh, the defense. Are we sure he's even that good at defense? Because I remember like when he was in the Jazz, they played the Clippers that one year and Paul George like just destroyed the Jazz for that whole series. And then I remember the Nets traded for him after. Remember the Nets gave up a first round pick? I'm like, oh, intangible glue guy, defense wing. And I'm like, I just watched him get torched by Paul George. Like how good of a wing defender is he? I, I, just, I, I just feel like you can find those guys all around the league. I'm not sure you have to like trade second round picks and pay them $9 million a year. That's my take. It's funny you bring up his offense because if you look at the box score stuff for his career, he's a net negative offensively, but he's always been a positive on the defensive side. I liked him when he was in Utah. And okay. I think this next collection of guys, it, it's just been kind of a rudderless group where it's a bunch of interchangeable dudes other than Bridges. And, you know, Cam's obviously gone off on some of these games. And then there was a Claxton decision because he's an actual unrestricted free agent with the way his contract worked. But, they had too many wings and it was stupid. And they should yeah, have traded of some of them in the last deadline. And they didn't. And they passed up, you know, they could have gotten the two first for Finney Smith. And um, I just don't know what kind of team they're trying to put together. I don't understand these GMs sometimes. It's like, ah, it's too late to make it. They made the Durant deal, and it's like, ah, it's too late to do anything else. Ah. Yeah, but they made the Royce deal thinking that they were going to have a real team last year. Like, no, but I'm when, saying after Utah they traded Durant, when they traded Durant, they had, they had Royce, they had Finney Smith, they had Bridges, they had Cam Johnson. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? The only two of those guys can play at the same time. Maybe three. I don't know. I didn't get it. Um, let's take a break, and then I'm going to throw the one team that I was really disappointed didn't do anything. So I said how there was a team I was super disappointed in that just had no gonads at the trade deadline that just decided to have a Aperol spritzer instead of 
just having, just throwing a shot down and having a cocktail and fucking going for it. The Orlando Magic. What are you doing, Saruti? What do you Saruti, want us to what do? What are you doing? What, what what's you, happening here? I don't understand. Like, what what did people expect? This team, they don't. Get, they're pretty. How about methodical. get another good player and try to try to like win a playoff series? You have Paolo. He's great. I would have liked. I would have liked. Uh, I would like Brogdon. I'll tell you that. But I wasn't going to give up a ton for him. I would have liked Tyus Jones. Wasn't going to give up a ton for him. I somebody had told me they were, they offered like a million second round picks for him. So I guess that didn't get it done. Um, I just don't, I don't. I'd rather just get to the offseason and then reassess there. Um, yes, you have, you know, Fultz's contract. Um, Wendell Cutter Jr. was kind of like floated out there for a while because Goga played well, but I still don't, I don't, I didn't think it made any sense to trade Wendell Cutter Jr. when his stock was probably the lowest it's been in years. Um, yeah, sure. If you can get like a Darius Garland, we talked about this on text, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'd give up a lot of assets to get him, but clearly that wasn't on the table for them. So, well, you had Fultz's expiring. Could you have, how about this? Could you have topped the Buddy Heel deal and got one more shoot? That one, pretty that sure one you could have. You probably could have, but I don't know. Maybe Buddy was just like, hey, I'd rather go to Philly and like that. Because yeah, I think what he's, he's an expiring contract too, right? He's got, this is the last year of his deal. So yeah, he's expiring. I don't know. Maybe, but, but so maybe Orlando didn't healed, want to give anything up for him. Does healed stunt Jet Howard's development? That's also a great point. I'm, I, well, so you're gonna, you guys are gonna laugh at me, but I'm in team play Anthony Black more minutes. Like I'd rather. I, we're not winning anything this year. Like I said before okay. the season, getting into the play-in is a win. I, if they can get to the sixties, that'd sad. be great. But like this, this isn't is the year where I'm like push all the everyone chips in. on our third place team, and our tenth grade basketball team, our JV team just won third place. Okay, Let's, let we got to all chip in and get everybody trophies. Let me ask you this. Okay, everyone was all excited when the Cavs traded for Donovan Mitchell, right? Oh man, they're pushing all the chips in. This is great. Yeah. And I think there's an argument to be made that like maybe that sort of started the growth of a guy like Mobley in his offensive game because now that all they ask him to do is be a good defender. He can't, he's not a three-point shooter at this point in his career. And we're talking about now, like, has his stock gone down? Should they try to trade him? If the Magic trade for somebody like that right now, you still have Franz and and Paolo. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to take any development away from those guys. And I don't care. I don't care if we win a playoff series this year. Next year, I probably will. So yeah, would I have liked to see something on the margins? A Brogdon? Yeah, I would like to see Buddy Heald, Tyus Jones, sure. But if there's not a trade out there, I'm not gonna, I'm I'm disappointed. I'm just not mad about it. Priscilla? I'm with Steve on this. Uh, and, the, and the thing, Fultz is like one of the most misunderstood players ever. They kind of need Fultz still. So even though he's an expiring, um, you know, he's you're saying, though. hey, just let Suggs and Anthony Black. Like, I've liked some of the Anthony Black minutes. I've also seen some games where he doesn't look like he's totally comfortable being out there, like making decisions where he gets the ball. It's like, all right, somebody else take this away from me here. And Paolo initiates so much of the offense and that you don't want like a ball dominant guy to turn Franz and Paolo into spectators. And now they have this closing lineup with Isaac, which is just absurd when you watch that Minnesota game. Oh, look how happy Saruti is. That was that, that, that was the Isaac. The, that was Isaac right. Renaissance. I have, I, that's the happiest moment of 2024 for me. I mean, I know we're only a month in, but my God, that was awesome. It's always it's always two things. Okay, you wish they had done something. Okay, what did you want them to do specifically? Like, who was that player? And get if it's Malcolm healed, Brogdon. How about Malcolm right. Brogdon? Or how about Buddy Healed? How about one how more good you, guy? You, you know what I wouldn't hate it actually, and this would actually work for both teams because I do, I do think you talk about Fultz. Fultz though he's he's kind of the odd man out. They paid Cole. Suggs is obviously there. Black Cole's there, been so like, better now too this year. Yeah. Like I went he's from been, not liking him to going. I like him. You too. know what? He's been just smarter about decisions and everything. So go ahead. No. So what I was going to say is I wouldn't have hated a situation where like maybe you send him to San Antonio where you actually get a point guard for Wemby and then we take like Doug McDermott back and get shooting. 
But I don't I don't know that they were willing to trade Fultz. Like I still think you're right. Fultz like does have a decent role for the team. Um, maybe not long term, and we'll see what happens this summer. But it, there probably just wasn't anything there. Like I, I I'm I'm okay with just seeing how the rest of the season pans out with this young team. It's been 15 years since the finals, <laughs> and the Magic fans are just completely beaten down. No, the good news it's is like we've got I a guy, just want to be in the play-in. We've got a be guy great. who's who's untouchable in your trade rankings. Like I'm he cool, was. man. We are very happy with where we're at right now. He was. Palo was number eight. Rosillo. They've got to spend well, that money though this summer before the extensions kick in for those guys. And I don't. Well, that's know. another thing. I, that's, that's why. Like, but you could make you could make a trade this summer. Can't you just make a trade this summer? You still yeah. you still have your picks. Like you that you don't have to just sign somebody in free agency. You could take on salary that way. So I, you know. I'll tell you what I was rooting for was the Warriors tax dump with Chris Paul where they traded Chris to uh, Orlando and then you guys were aligned. It was like the mega powers when it would have been Macho cool. Man and Hulk got together in the late 80s. It was like, this is great. These guys are now in the same team. Brasillo gets to chase the title with Chris Paul in Orlando. You get Chris Paul. It would have been great. I would have moved there for out. the season. Just done. <laughs> I would have done my podcast and then a magic Chris Paul hybrid special ringer edition. That would have been prestige, amazing. Prestige NBA pod. Just breaking down high screens. Can I leave you with this? Uh, I don't think... Stay with us with this. This is, a, this, is a, this is a huge if. Huge if. I don't know. There's You can count on one hand and maybe like a couple fingers how many guys are more talented defensively than Jonathan Isaac. Like it's like Giannis and and that might be it. That dude you mean is for taller on, guys or just anybody? Just anybody in the league. Like guys are shooting 27% when he's guarding them. Like he is, what he did against Minnesota, and again, he's going to get hurt probably next week and this, none of this is going to matter, <laughs> but holy crap, he is insane. Like think about him in a playoff series where you just go, hey, guard Jason Tatum for seven games. Like that's going to be a nightmare for any team that they have to play. So well, he's playing like said, Wemby tonight. Which will, that'll be fun if he gets thrown on Wemby because you know Wemby will try to test him. But they don't play the Celtics again. I don't do that. Might not be till April that you Eastern you don't Conference play. Finals. No, you already played them already. Um, yeah, all those games are over. Yeah, so I did think about that because he is the type of guy that Tatum would not know what to do against him. It would just be a slew of terrible step back threes, as my dad is texting me, um, like every five minutes. Right now, they're the eight seed. It does look like there could be Miami, Orlando seven eight playing is in is in play, right? Because they don't even if you win your division, you stay in the same seed. We learned that last year. But Miami, Orlando would be fun throwing throwing Isaac on Jimmy Butler. They're a game and a half back of six. Like I'm not. There's nothing to be ruled out here. They could still they could still get out of the play in too. So I. You well, know. you know how every year after the trade deadline, one young guy makes a jump. I would, I do wonder if it's Palo this year. Where Paolo just goes like 30 and 10 for like five straight weeks. I could see it. I've been impressed. All right. Thanks, Rudy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Always. I mean, we have the world's number one Orlando Magic expert here. We got to bring him in every once in a while. The uh, Bucks traded for Patrick Beverly. They got rid of campaign. Can't believe I campaign didn't work out on the Bucks. I really had my fingers crossed. <laughs> and, hey, uh, by the way, the second statement has to be the motivation behind that because I was watching Windhorse on the special and he goes, if you're the Bucks and you're going, wait, we're kind of around each other and you're willing to give us Pat Bev. What does that mean? I think it's getting rid of campaign. I'm not a huge fan necessarily of either of them. I have a really hard time 
with campaign possessions. Me too. Well, I think part of that was Doc and, and Pat Bev had the Clippers history. He loves Pat Bev. Yeah. So he wanted but, to bring one normally, of his guys in. But does that happen though? Where it's like, oh, you want one of those guys now? Who knows? It, it could be, we don't want to give, you know, with the way you have Batum and Ubre making shots, maybe Maury and Nurse are looking at it being like, hey, Pat Bev's minutes are going to get swallowed, swallowed up here with Heald. So mm. that way we get off of Pat Bev. And then I don't, I, I don't know. Like I would, I'd rather have Pat Bev than campaign. That's for sure. Pacers got Doug McDermott for uh, Marcus Morris in a second. Be fun to shoot, see him basically in the Buddy Heald spot launching threes. Pacers are kind of operating around the fringes in the trade deadline, but I didn't mind that one. And then forgot to mention with the Mavs trade, how Seth Curry ended up on Charlotte. He's an intriguing buyout guy to me. I still feel like on the right team, especially a team that had a center, like if he's on Denver playing with Jokic, because we, we've seen like the best Seth Curry ever looked was playing off of Embiid that time. Like he's, I think with the Celtics too, it'd be another team playing off Porzingis. But um, I still feel like as a buyout guy, he'd be pretty intriguing. I don't think he's washed up by any means. I just think it's like situational with him. You like him at all? I've, I've always liked him. And Me too. The Philly part of it is, is a great call because you know, you look at Seth and you think, okay, well, where, where are his limitations? And it's like, you know what? He could, even with Brooklyn at times, it's like, you know, he can actually put it on the floor a little bit and kind of reset himself and get a little bit of space. But it, it's clear the NBA doesn't like him as much as we do, man. He's a $4 yeah. million dollar non-guaranteed for next year. So when he signed with Dallas, you were like, that's all he costs? You know, with this just obsession with finding as much shooting as you can, or yeah. is there so much shooting now with everything that we talked about earlier that he doesn't stand out as much? Or is it just because you feel like, hey, in a playoff series, you know, can you really survive with him defensively and some of this stuff? But I, I think there's more to him than just the catch and shoot stuff. But it seems like the NBA, again, is, is cooler on him than you and I have been the last couple of years. I'm still high. Salary. I'll buy everyone else's stock. Okay. How'd you feel about Monty Morris going to the T-Wolves? I really liked it because they need another option uh, yeah, with Conley. And McLaughlin, who, you know, I kind of like in some reserve stuff, but I like Monty back when he was in Denver. You're not going to get a ton of offense, but the guy makes shots and you could do worse than him being one of your three kind of rotational backup point guards. And I wonder, Shake Milton's another possible buyout guy with Detroit where some teams that would, I think, kick the tires on him too. Um, Killian Hayes got released. That's going to be an agent thing. They're like, that seemed like a fuck you. Yeah. But that's, hey, our, it's done. It didn't work out. It's over. I think there was a divide on Killian on the front office anyway. So that usually is somebody where it's like, let him go get minutes somewhere else and see what kind of contract he can get this summer because it's not going to work here anymore in Detroit. So I think that's probably a favor. Can we go through the 2020 NBA draft just for fun? Yeah. The, the weirdest draft of all time because it was COVID and nobody could work out anybody. And, uh, and it just, and the interviews around Zoom. Edwards goes one to Minnesota. Somehow they nail it. Wiseman two to Golden State. Lamella goes three to Charlotte. Then we have the Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, four, five to Chicago, Cleveland. Okongwu goes six to uh, Atlanta. Killian seven to Detroit. 
Obi Toppin, eight to the Knicks. Nine is Avdia to Washington. Phoenix takes Jalen Smith, 10th. And within two years, he's off the team. Devin Vassell goes 11th to San Antonio. And by the way, Jalen, they don't pick up his first option and get rid of him after spending the 10th pick on him. And he's still good enough to be on a team. Like, it'd be one thing you were like, hey, and we, playing. Patrick, Patrick Bradley, like, we just screwed it up. It's not going to work. Um, you know, let's move on from this thing. And instead, it's so it's bad. Like, we just completely gave up on the asset. I don't know. Devin Vassell goes 11th, and then Halliburton goes 12th to Sacramento, which we were outraged by at the time. It seemed too high. Neesmith goes 14 to Boston. Cole Anthony goes 15 to Orlando. Um, Tyrese Maxey goes 21st to Philadelphia. Quickly goes 25th to OKC. Jaden McDaniels goes 28th to the Lakers and gets traded. And then Desmond Bain went 30th eventually to Memphis. That is one of the weirdest drafts we've ever... Like the, we haven't done a redraft of that one yet. We did a bunch of redrafts during the COVID year, but it might be time to do a 2020 redraft. Maybe we, we could plan that because we're going to start doing Sunday nights again in a couple of weeks. But that is, uh, I think, the single weirdest draft of the last 10 years. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I struggle with Patrick O'Brien remembering his name. What'd you call um, him? I called him Patrick Bradley. He's not. He went to Bradley. And he was I, the ninth when you pick. said Patrick Bradley, I thought, wow, that, I don't even remember Patrick Bradley. He really had a short career. No, Patrick O'Brien with like the new structure of the first round stuff. It was, he was the ninth pick and he was like two years. I remember. Up. See ya. Yeah. Tough one. Um, anything else that that's it. Anything else you want to cover? Pretty weak trade deadline. Brutal. Here's what I would cover. Um, I know that it's a lot like signing day. I've used this analogy in the past. That no matter what decision you land on, you can find people to complain about it. In college football, signing day, no matter what the day is, a reporter can have five coaches saying, hey, this is the dumbest day ever and for all these reasons. They all could be valid reasons. And then you could change it. And then you get five different coaches to tell you why that day is now the dumbest day to have it. So it's kind of this unsolvable problem. I feel like the NBA trade deadline is a tad more solvable. The Thursday shouldn't be before the Super Bowl. It's well, I mean, God damn it. Right. Where would you I, put it? Would you have done it next Wednesday? Well, they don't want it to interfere with all star stuff, which is totally understandable. So whatever day I would theoretically pick here, I know you could find problems with it. This can't be the way you would want to do it if you're the NBA and you want to maximize the attention. You can't have it a couple days before. Like we're watching some of the, the stuff on TV and you're going like, look, it's Super Bowl week. It's Thursday. A lot of the TV stuff, as soon as this deadline special is over, that's going to be it. And this one was such a dud. You're never going to hear about it the rest of the week anyway. But you could either just wait until March 1st, which with the play-in tournament now, keeping teams alive, maybe yeah. further into the season. And the teams at that point with a few more weeks go, hey, who are we kidding here? We've got no chance. Like, this should be about activity. Like, I'm not using 24 as a dud because we kind of knew this coming in the last week of conversations. You're like, man, this one might suck. But either move it in front of all of this stuff or put it the week the first bye week of the Super Bowl, put it a week ago on Thursday or put it later because of the play-in. Of all the problem scenarios that you could come up with, stuff I'm not even thinking about, I still would imagine that makes more sense for just the attention part of this on the sports calendar for the entire year than the Thursday before the biggest game in the country. Especially after how they figured out that June 30th, July 1st, free agency stuff and really turned that into like this massive two-day event. It To me, it should either be 
you know, they got fucked because the Super Bowl moved a week because they added a week to the season, right? Right. And so now it was like head to head with when the trade deadline usually is. But they should just make the trade trade deadline whenever that dead week is. So you're saying a week ago? Yeah, it should have been last Thursday. I don't, yeah. I don't want to mess with the Super Bowl at all if I'm the NBA. And the, the people listening to this are like, well, when do I care when the trade deadline is? Well, like I, I woke up early today and I made coffee and I was watching Get Up for like 80 minutes waiting for them to bring on like anyone that they had in the NBA standpoint. <laughs> and they did Super Bowl for 80 straight minutes. And it, it, it Greenberg is out there. He's like starting arguments with himself. He's doing the... Hey, for the people who say... They're tired of watching Patrick Mahomes. I who are who are these people? How could you be tired? How are these guys the villains? And and he's having these straw man arguments. So I'm like, oh my God, can you guys just tell me if DeJounte Murray is gonna get gonna get traded? Like can 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 anyone come on, guys? Now is Brock Purdy, what's at stake for him? And they're doing all that stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Any trades gonna happen? Well, with um, this trade, but that's the problem with Super Bowl week. Yeah, I don't blame them necessarily for going hardcore Super Bowl with with the names that were flying around for this deadline, but you would just avoid it. You would just avoid any of that happening. And look, the deadline yeah, used to be later. Yeah, because football's way more popular than basketball. I get it. You're yeah. going to talk football on a show over the freaking whether DeJounte Murray is going to get traded. But I was starving for information today. I wanted it. I bet they change it. Because I don't, I don't know what the argument is to keep it today. Like, no, 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 we like this. We we like having this good. be three days before the biggest thing anybody, like the thing that there's no even close second to what people are paying attention to in the sports world. So, Well, your uh, idea of moving it to after All-Star break is kind of interesting too because the play-in tournament does keep teams hanging around in a different way. And like, you know, we arbitrarily decided the trade deadline should be around the 50 game mark, right? That was just something they decided 35 years ago for whatever reason. Now it's 2024. Maybe it should be later. Maybe the buyout guys should be like March 10th and you do it that way. They should definitely reconsider a lot of this. At least they've been willing to rethink this stuff. So um, right now, our title favorite Celtics Nuggets drops off a little Clippers, Bucks, Suns. Knicks, Oklahoma City, 20 to 1, Cavs, 22 to 1, Minnesota, 24 to 1, and Philly is now 30 to 1. And then everybody else are long shots. New Orleans at 46 to 1. I, now, there's a team where I would have said, oh, they got to do something. And I literally can't tell you what they should do. I don't know. Like they, they have guys at every position. I don't even know what the trade is. There were rumors they were trying to go after Mikhail Bridges and got shut down. I don't know if that's true. But, um, there's certain teams where I just, I don't even know what the move was. Yeah, I, I always like the best version of New Orleans. You know, when it looks really good, it looks really good. It just doesn't look like that long enough for you to feel like you can get a real sense of them. Like, they never feel like they get into that rhythm for a really long stretch. You know, you go back to last yeah. year when I was looking at the Nuggets record before, like when this week got started and I did a pod, I was like, hey, they were 35 and 16 last year, they're 35 and 16 now, but it feels different because last year the West was just a very weird conference. And now this year, it's like, man, that's four really good teams. And then you've got Phoenix lurking there as well. So it feels deeper at the top. And yet Denver's got the exact same record. Almost all the stats line up to be pretty identical to where they were last year, but they're sitting there in the fourth seed. And you're, you're kind of like, you know, look, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. If somebody said they're winning the West again, 
I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong. And if the Clippers aren't healthy, I'm probably picking Denver anyway. But I look at New Orleans and go, last year when Denver was 35 and 16, Memphis, to your point in part one, was three games behind, what, 32 and 19? Okay. (laughs) That was like an awesome. And then the Pelicans, the Pelicans were the two seed all the way until December 31st. Yeah. And we're watching them. I'm going, look how deep they are. And every night you can kind of attack a different way offensively. And I I see certain matchups where it feels like New Orleans is so much bigger than the opponent or Sacramento that's ahead of them in standings. And I go, how's Sacramento going to defend these guys and get four out of seven from them with the way that Clippers felt that way last night a little bit. Yeah. Bigger. I'm I'm telling there's certain nights with them where I'm like, man, that could be that could be a real problem. Like I've enjoyed watching them play against Minnesota and Oklahoma City too. So if you're talking about value on just the gambling part of it, I'm with you there. The only thing I could think of is they said, okay, we have all of these pieces. Do we really think like Dyson Daniel's ceiling is this? Maybe, and I still really like him, but you go, if he's really going to be special, maybe he's just stuck with the logjam of shot opportunities everywhere else and CJ run things. Maybe there's something there. I'm sure somebody else would like him. You know, do we say, hey, Instead of having Herb Jones and this Trey Murphy thing, like let's consolidate what we have for one piece, yeah, and move. But teams just seem to reluctant. It's almost like, hey, we'll only trade this guy if we're completely over it. And right. I doubt they're over any of those guys because I like them. Have a lot of hope for some of the guys that I still like coming out of the draft. Yeah, there was right? a Nets. There was a Nets trade where it's like Daniels a couple of New Orleans picks that they got in the different trades, like that Lakers pick they have, that could be either be 24 or 25. And they just, four first, Daniels, one more piece. And like, we're overpaying for Mikael Bridges. We're giving you like 130 cents in the dollar for him. But now we at least have a better idea of who our, our five is. I look at the West and I don't remember the top seed being this up for grabs. Like we have four teams that have the same amount of losses that are one through four right now. Okay, say Minnesota, Denver, the Clippers, they'll have 16 losses. And the team that falls fourth has to play Phoenix in round one, which, you know, we'll see if Nurkic is still healthy at that point, but you're still going against these two incredible scores for two weeks. That's not a fun round one. And then the prize probably for the three seed is to play that New Orleans team we're talking about. You know, like if, you, if you're, I don't know, Oklahoma City, you're like, oh, we got the three seed. And it's like, oh, shit. We play New Orleans. They're bigger at us at, at literally every position. Not awesome. I do wonder if people will be kind of seed hunting and looking for Sacramento. Like, okay, it comes down yeah. to tonight. And, you know, it feels a little insulting the way Sacramento has played the last couple of years. But, you know, defensively, I just think they're going to have a really hard time with the other good teams in the West. And I just wonder if there'll be a team that goes, hey, we have the tie. We don't have the tiebreaker. And, you know, we lose tonight. We lock in. Sacramento instead of Phoenix or New Orleans? Sacramento is my West Coast Milwaukee. I know they're they're 29 and 21. I just don't trust it. I don't believe. I don't think they have it this year. I've seen them just get waxed a couple times in ways that just I thought were uh, alarming. Dallas is the most, you know, Dallas is the eight seed right now. They're, they're, I want to watch them over the next couple weeks with, with, PJ and with Gafford and just kind of see what's going on with them. Cause Luca's played really well that, you know, obviously about as well as he can play and they've gotten the normal Kyrie year. So what, like, what is this going to look like four weeks from now? Probably the same. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. 
because I look at Luca as somebody in one series. Yeah, you don't want to see him. stuff he did, and you go, man, you know, I know we're favored, but if that guy goes crazy. That's the thing. If you're saying what eight seed could beat a one seed this year, and I gave you like Miami, Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, the Lakers, Utah, Golden State, Dallas, you'd be like, Dallas, that's the one. Yeah. Because Luca could just win four games. You'd be like, whoa, holy shit, we just lost. What happened? Um, all right, I'm going to... And also Philly on the Pat Bev thing, real quick, too. That could just strictly be like, hey, we know we're getting Lowry in the buyout market. So yeah. now that solves. We, you get Pat Bev. We don't have to worry about it. We've opened up the Lowry minutes, too, as well as Heels. I don't know if I'd want this version of Kyle Lowry. I don't know if I'd be doing high-fiving in the office about it. He had a, he wasn't as bad very of good. a five-week stretch in Miami as uh, anybody had this year. He was terrible. You know how many times, though, like, like is Gordon Hayward going to be good to close the season? There's a lot of guys that I write off because I'm only seeing them play poorly for extended stretches. And they're yeah. older. I go, okay, look, the eye test, the numbers, ever tells you, like, it's kind of over. And then there'll be so many of these players that have this, like, last lap resurgence that doesn't make any sense other than you realized, oh, this guy didn't care. Like, Boris Diaw's entire career. You're like, wow, you were that like you're such a non-competitor <laughs> that, that you didn't care until you were in a place where you're like, okay, I guess I'll play now. So Milwaukee's the three seed and Philly's the five seed and Indiana is now three games behind Philly and Embiid's not coming back a while. I'm still holding out hope for the Milwaukee-Philly first round. A lot of subplots on that one. Plus, Philly obviously isn't too afraid of Milwaukee if they traded Pat Beverly to him. I thought that was weird too. I was like, yeah, take him. Here you go. Um, all right, Rosillo, you, are you doing a Super Bowl pick on your podcast tomorrow? Yeah, Super Bowl pick. We got Troy Aikman, and we'll throw in a life advice for you. So we got it covered. Who do I want the Pats to get at number three? Uh, Jane Daniels is incredible this year, and I didn't think he had it in him. And two years ago, I was kind of over him. But it's also, there's some similarities there with Burrow, where Burrow was like, hey, you know, he's all right. And then it was like, oh, wow, he's had the greatest season of all time. And Burrow's a stud, and he's he's wired. He's got all that stuff with him. Uh, so I want Jaden Daniels. That's where I've landed mentally already. I had a cup of coffee with thinking like maybe we just take Marvin Harrison. He maybe he'll be one of the best receivers of you all time. You gotta take but a quarterback. You gotta it take doesn't a quarterback. seem like Marvin Harrison's ceiling is high enough to justify that, even though it's a very high ceiling. Well, I think it's pretty high. I mean, it's no, but I'm saying like you would have Calvin. to think he's he has to be Calvin Johnson basically to justify that. I still don't even think I take a receiver over because then you have to go, okay, so then what? Who's throwing it to? With, you know, next year, say the turnover turnover ratio works in your favor and then you, you've won seven or nine games and then now you're picking and you still don't have a quarterback. I think you keep taking quarterbacks until you get it right. You just keep drafting them and there's, there's, no, there's no real plan that works any better than you just got to keep doing it. I think it'd be really fun to have a, a Jaden Daniels type Patriots fan experience for the first time in my life. We've always had like quarterbacks that couldn't really move around. Fun to root for him. Rosillo, listen to his podcast tomorrow. Good to see you. We'll, we're at some point at the end of this month, we're picking up Sundays again and we'll be off the rest of the way. Good to see you. Thanks for the time. Thanks, man.
Million Dollar Picks, Super Bowl edition. Normally, we blow this out on the Thursday before the Super Bowl, but the trade deadline took it over. And plus, like, I did a lot with Sal on Sunday. You kind of know where I'm leaning on this game. I don't know why the Chiefs are underdogs. I don't really understand it, especially when you look at what the Niners looked like defensively, really since Hafango went out. Um, even the last three weeks against Detroit and Green Bay and then that Baltimore game near the end of the year, uh, Detroit put huge yards on them. They gave up 28 first downs, 20 first downs to Green Bay, 23 to Baltimore, and then the 28 to Detroit. Everybody ran on them. Um, I thought they easily could have lost the Green Bay game and probably should have. They obviously should have lost the Detroit game. We'll look back at the interception bouncing off the guy's helmet and then Gibbs fumbling. That stretch was just absolutely uh, bizarre and weird. And look, they made it. It's great. Congratulations. But I think the Chiefs are better. I think the Chiefs figured out what their identity was after that weird Christmas game. And they just have long drives. They know what they can do and they can't do. They're going to try to come out of the gate, grab the lead. Um, that's why one of the bets I like is Chiefs first half, Chiefs game. But we're going to go into million dollar picks right now. Million dollar picks, Super Bowl edition. I am up 2.293 million for the season. Last week, didn't do well. Lost $845,000. I didn't feel great about it heading into the week, but now I look back and it's like, I thought San Francisco was going to beat Detroit. They did. They didn't cover. Baltimore, should they have beaten Kansas City? Kansas City only scored 17 points. Baltimore scored 10 and could not have played a worse game and shot themselves in the foot over and over again and had the worst strategy and still was kind of in the game. Um, Joe House has a theory that the AFC is just much better than the NFC was this year. And I kind of like it. Like Casey beating Baltimore and Buffalo, I think is meaningful because maybe Baltimore and Buffalo were better than anyone in the NFC. Um, I love this game to at least the Chiefs keeping it close, which is why we're going to bet $500,000 on the Chiefs plus two and a half. And we're also going to bet another $500,000 on the Chiefs plus eight and a half, teased with the under up to 53 and a half. So that means 54 points would beat the under. And I don't see that happening because I think we're going to have long, long drives, um, that some field goals. I think we'll have a missed field goal from Moody, which we can bet on. Um, I just think this is like a Chiefs 24 to 20, Chiefs 23 to 20, something there. Chiefs 24 to 17. I don't see a crap load of points. So those are my two big bets. Also putting 50K in the following props. Brock Purdy over three and a half rushing attempts plus 124. Uh, we've seen him, especially against good teams, use his legs for first downs. It'll happen three times. Also a nice little tiny hedge in case the Niners actually win the game. He'll have a kneel. Kelsey, most receptions is plus 170, grabbing that. And 50K as well on Casey to have the first interception at minus 110. For $25,000 bets, this is a 13-1 parlay that I've mentioned a couple of times. Casey wins first half in the game. Mahomes under 262.5 yards. Gray, two plus, plus catches. I love Gray. And Pacheco to rush for 70 plus yards. That is plus 13-21 right now in FanDuel. I also like Noah Gray for the first TD which is 43 to one, or at least it was when we did this on Sunday. Um, just could see that, you know, two, three tight ends and it seems like it's going to go to Kelsey. Oh my God, they faked us. That's Noah Gray. 
Valdez Scantling, longest reception. I love it. What a story for this guy. Chiefs fans hated him. He blew a couple games with some drops earlier in the air. Redeemed himself a little in the playoffs. Um, there's some good stats that we covered on Sunday's podcast about uh, there's not really like a reliable long ball threat in this game. So um, there's guys that have had big long catch catch games, but for the most part, there's no like, oh my God, that guy's definitely going to have a 50-yarder in this game. So why not grab Valdez Scantling at plus 800? We're putting 25K in that. We're going to bet on no successful fourth down conversion, three to one odds, because weirdly, the Chiefs and the Niners are very conservative. And then last but not least, we'll take a flyer on Kelsey to win MVP. So that was 17 to one when I did this on Sunday, and now it is 14 to one. I'm still taking it. Kelsey, 14 to one. He hugs and kisses Taylor Swift midfield. And then all of the weirdos on the internet say the Super Bowl was scripted because the Chiefs won and Travis Kelsey was the MVP and he's hugging Taylor Swift and it's just going to make people mad. Seems logical. I think that's how it plays out. Chiefs to win. Those are my million dollar picks. Super Bowl edition. Peter Schrager, by the way, also thinks the Chiefs are, are going to win as well. So that made me feel good. Anyway, million dollar picks in the books. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks to Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti for producing. And thanks to Ryan Rosillo. I will see you on this podcast after the Super Bowl with the Cuss on Sunday night. Don't forget about our FanDuel show uh, with the wise guys on Sunday, Super Bowl edition. And don't forget to go on youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. And we launched a Ringer NFL YouTube channel and a Ringer NBA YouTube channel. So check those out as well. Have a great weekend. See you Sunday. Must be 21 plus and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 188 188- 789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.